Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How important is prayer? Someone said it's more important than an education, than a college education. That's what someone said. Prayer is important. It's important to know how to pray. Well, we felt that if it's important to know how to pray, then it's important to know what Jesus said about prayer because I believe He had all that we need to know and then some about prayer. So we want to know what Jesus said about prayer. Find out what He said because it will help us to know what He said about prayer because we want to be more effective in our prayer lives. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to enlighten us, to instruct us, and also to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. Father, we expect to be changed from glory to glory. We expect to be quickened according unto your word. We expect, dear Father God, for great and mighty works to be wrought among us, in us, and through us, as we are changed and as we are quickened. We thank you, dear Father God, for all that will take place in every heart and in every life, believing now that ears are anointed to hear hearts to receive and minds to be open as we set ourselves to receive from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Are you so set? Then praise God, let's get right into it. Matthew chapter 21. We've talked about many things that Jesus said about prayer. Last time we met on the subject, we talked about how Jesus cleansed the temple and said, My Father's house, you have made a den of thieves. But it's written that it's supposed to be called a house of prayer. Purity, power, perfected praise. Right after that, he left them, that is, he left the, the synagogue, the temple, and he went into Bethany and lodged there. That's Matthew 21, 17. And then beginning at verse 18, we read some things that further explain to us some things Jesus said about prayer. And so in verse 18, we read, Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree... In the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee for here, henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, Ye shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now that's Matthew's record of what Jesus said during that particular time. Mark also gives us the same incident and he gives us a little bit more detail. So let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 
11, as if your Bible wouldn't just fall open there. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And verse 15. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and of the seats and the seats of them that sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when the even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, beholdest the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily or truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now you put these two together and what you discover is the fact that Jesus taught His disciples two things. The law of faith and the prayer of faith. And because Jesus tied them together, we must acknowledge that they go hand in hand. The prayer of faith involves believing from your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. That's in verse 23. In that particular verse, Jesus made it very clear that faith involves what we say with our mouth and believe in our heart. And if we believe in our heart that what we say with our mouth will come to pass, then we will have, notice, whatsoever we say. What have you been saying lately? What have you been saying lately? See, sometimes if we don't continue to go over these particular truths, we can let them slip. Anybody ever read somewhere in the Bible where it talks about the tongue is not an easy member to control or contain? And that whosoever can bridle his tongue is known to be a mature, perfect man before God? Our words are extremely important, important in the sight of God. But I have to ask us this question. How serious are we about our words? Have we placed the same kind of emphasis upon our words as Jesus did, as the Father does? From the book of Proverbs, it says that our Father is pleased when we speak right things. And there are many references in the Bible with regard to the tongue. And it talks about how if we like to have long days, good days and long life on the earth... 
Refrain your tongue from evil and that your lips speak no guile. So here, as Jesus reveals to us the law of faith, he also expresses to us the seriousness of our words. And unconsciously, I do believe we have set some things in motion in our lives. Some people have set some things in motion in their lives that are irreversible because they didn't really take their words to heart. I realize we all like to kid around. We all like to have a lot of fun. And sometimes we jest and say things that are not convenient. You know the Bible even addresses that. It talks about being concerned and watchful over the things we say. It says foolish jesting is not convenient. It says let no filthy communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying. And I'm only saying this, beloved, because Jesus is teaching us a law here. This is a spiritual law. It involves a whole lot more than name it, claim it, and blab it, grab it. How many of you know that? Oh, you're one of those name it, claim it. One of those blab it, grab it groups. No. No, we're not. We're just taking the words of Jesus to heart. We are taking the teachings of our Lord seriously. The law of faith says that if a man believes it with his heart and says it with his mouth, he will have whatsoever he says. That law is important to know because Jesus spoke to a fig tree and said to that tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the next day, the fig tree dried up by the root. Whatever law set that particular fruit tree in motion that enabled it to function the way it was to function all the years of its life, whatever law that was, was met by a higher law. For the one who spoke it into being spoke also again unto it, and when he did, the tree obeyed. Which goes to show that God upholds all things by the word of his power. Meaning all power is in God's word. Now, if we believed in our words like God believes in his words, we'd have it made. How many of you know that? Did you hear that? If we believed in our words like God believes in His, I think we'd arrive. We'd be there. What are you saying? What have I been saying? What we believe from the heart and say with the mouth will come to pass, for that is the law of faith. Now, the reason why I have placed much emphasis on this because of the next truth. Look at verse 24. Everybody say, therefore. therefore. Therefore connects the two verses, doesn't it? It connects these two verses. Verse 24 cannot stand alone. Verse 24, which represents the prayer of faith, does not stand alone. Prayer is based on faith. Faith makes prayer work. 
Prayer does not make faith work. Therefore, because if a man believes in his heart that what he says with his mouth will come to pass, therefore, based on that law of faith, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Therefore, based on the law of faith, verse 24 says, based on the law of faith, because this is a spiritual law known in heaven, a spiritual law that has set all things in motion in the earth, based on that knowledge, when you pray and ask God for something, Believe you receive those things you ask Him for, and you will have them. In other words, faith makes prayer work. And if I pray for something, I am to believe I receive that something I pray for in order to eventually have it. If I believe I receive what I pray for, my words will affirm my belief. Did you hear that? My words will affirm my belief. Father, I ask you for a button. I believe I receive a button. Now, I don't see it with my hand. But, Father, I believe I receive a button. Thank you for the button. I am to affirm that I have received the button without seeing it. For that's what belief is. Blessed are they that believe without seeing. Having not seen, yet believe. So, Father, thank you for the button. I believe I receive the button. Thank you, Father, for the button. Didn't Jesus say, He shall have whatsoever He saith? Thank you for the button. What am I saying? Thank you for the button. Okay, that's in my 15-minute time of prayer. Then I walk out into the kitchen and I say, Honey, I just got done praying and I asked the Father for a button. And I spent 15 minutes saying, Thank you, Father, for the button. And you know what? I don't see a button. What am I going to do now? I don't see a button. I don't have a button. What have I just done? I've stopped believing in my words. See, sometimes we think we're to believe in the wrong things. We're to believe in our words. And I know people have a, lot, have, have a hard time with that. A lot of people do. But yet Jesus is the one who declared it. He said, you've got to believe in your words, son. You asked me for the button, you spoke about it for 15 minutes, affirming that you've received the button, and then the moment you walked out of that place of prayer, you started denying it. You said a thousand things against it over a period of who knows how many minutes or hours, and you're wondering why it hasn't materialized. See, the law of faith is what makes the prayer of faith work. 
And the law of faith says, I've got to believe with my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. So if I start saying more that I don't see the button, I don't have the button, I don't feel the button. Can you see a button? I'm not going to continue saying I have a button that I don't see. How can I say I have a button that I don't see? I don't see a button. I'm not a liar. Why does God want me to lie? What am I going to get? No button, that's for sure. Why? I'm violating the law of faith. Prayer, once again, does not stand on its own. Faith makes prayer work. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, doubting. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was the law? Wouldn't that be wonderful? We're champion doubters. Whatever you ask in prayer, doubting, you shall receive. Thanks, Lord. I'm going with that one. You know, because your natural man's programmed to doubt, isn't it? Isn't it? The natural man is programmed to doubt. It's automatic. But to believe takes discipline. I may not see it, yet I believe it. I believe I received the button. I believe I received the button. I believe I received the button. Now, why am I saying that over and over again? Because if you read other translations, they just tell you, go on believing that you receive it and you shall have it. One translation says, go on believing it's granted you and you shall, re you shall have it. Go on believing it's granted. You know, something can be granted you without it being in your possession yet. Isn't that true? That's true, isn't it? And for you to say that it's granted me is not a lie, is it? So let's get, let's get this straight. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus is saying this. This is how the prayer of faith works. Whatever you desire when you pray, because of the law of faith, go on believing it's granted you, affirm it's granted you with your words or with your mouth, and you shall have it. So as I continue saying, thank you, Father, for the button. Thank you, Father, for the button. I believe I have received the button and the button's granted me. Honey, I just came out of this place of prayer and you know what? I've asked the Lord for a button. I believe I received that button. I'm going to continue saying that the button is granted me. You know why? Because Jesus said the law of faith makes prayer work. So I'm just going to act out my faith and say continuously, I believe I received the button and I thank you, Father, for the button. I believe the button is granted me. And everybody else says, we don't see a button. Do you see a button, Harry? I don't see a button, Joe. You see a button, Mike? I don't see a button, Mary. This guy must have gone off the deep end somewhere. What's he talking about? Is this magical or something like that? Or is this some kind of mind science religious thing that he has in his mind? No, I'm just doing what Jesus said. Jesus said, you've got to believe that you have received it in order to have it. You've got to believe it's granted you and affirm it with your words in order to have it. And if you believe in your heart that what you're saying will come to pass, what will you have? whatsoever you say. So therefore means the prayer of faith is based on the law of faith. So stop disagreeing with God. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? That's what he's saying to us. Stop disagreeing with him. And start agreeing with him. Father, I've asked you for it. I believe I receive it. I believe it's granted me. I have it now. It's mine in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to see something that's very important in this particular verse. Verse 24 of Matthew, or Mark rather, 11. Therefore I say unto you, he's speaking to you, 
what things soever you desire. Notice ye, the word ye, which means you. What things soever you desire. Circle that. You desire. When you pray. Circle that. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I want you to see how personal this prayer of faith is. The most effective way this verse works is when you use it for yourself. You have more authority in your life than anybody else's. It doesn't say, whatsoever you desire for John, or whatsoever you desire for Mary. It says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe... Now, here's the, the key thing here. Believe you receive them. Has anybody here ever received Jesus for anybody else? Well, don't you desire other people to be saved? Can you receive Jesus for someone else? You can't, can you? No, they've got to receive Jesus for themselves. But did anybody here ever desire to be saved for themselves? And when you desired salvation, when you prayed, when you prayed, did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? You believe you received Him as your Savior and Lord? Did you have Him? You see, you did that for yourself, didn't you? You desired something, you prayed about it, you believed you received it, and you had it. Sometimes people try to use that verse and say, I desire this for Joe, I desire that for John, I desire this for Mary, I desire this for Jack. There are different kinds of prayer. Your prayer life is not as effective in someone else's life if the person is not cooperating with you. Do you understand that? And so the prayer of faith then primarily is for you, for yourself. And on occasions you can help other people. But when it comes to helping other people more specifically, then there are other types of prayer. Remember we started this teaching on prayer with there are different kinds of prayer or praying, different ways to pray. So if I'm praying for Mary or John, I may have to get before the face of God and say, Father, what do they really desire? Because I don't know their heart. What do they really desire? What are they really wanting? What is your will for their life? It involves maybe prayer in the Spirit. It may involve, who knows, groaning in the Spirit. It may involve something else. But this is specifically speaking to one, teaching the individual how to receive from God for himself those things he desires. And this is how it works. You can't believe in somebody else's words. You can trust someone, but you can't believe from your heart that what they say will come to pass for them. These are laws that pertain to us as individuals. And Jesus absolutely walked in this law perfectly. The law of faith. He demonstrated that law perfectly. As he walked the earth. He knew it. Understood it. Operated in it. Performed it. Did exactly what the Father said for him to do. Then he taught it to us.
to let us know this is something worthy of your attention. Do a test. And when you do this test, make sure you begin by just saying, this is only a test. Take out your tape recorder and just let it play all day long. Keep it in your pocket. And at the end of the day, listen to what you say throughout the course of the day. And then judge ye whether or not you really believe in your words. Or how much you believe in your words. I believe if we all did the same test, we'd have a lot of work to do. Because very often, we say so many different things that in some cases we don't even believe or desire or want for our own lives. We use our words flippantly. Say things we shouldn't say. Unless I'm living in this world by myself, I mean, haven't you found yourself saying all kinds of things you really don't mean and don't desire? So, in other words, in order for us to develop a, a powerful prayer life, we've got to become more serious about what we believe and say. That is, the words that we speak from our heart, with our mouths. And start recognizing their proper place in our lives. And if we desire something from God, we have a right to believe that we receive it. But if we're going to do that, we have to believe that what we say will come to pass. And therefore, we have to continue to affirm that we have received whatever it is that we've asked God for. So if I ask God for a button, I affirm with my mouth, I believe I received the button. And you say, how long do you continue affirming that you received the button until the button materializes? Amen. That's how long you keep saying it. I'm using a button, of course, but you know what that means. You can say, I believe I receive healing. I believe I receive healing. I believe I receive my healing. I prayed, Father, I've asked you. I believe I received my healing, and I thank you for my healing. Father, according to your word, you said if I believe in my heart and say with my mouth, it will come to pass. You said whatever I desire when, when I pray, believe I receive, I shall have. I believe it's granted me. I believe my healing is granted me. You see, sometimes we've got to use the right words so that people that are out there in the world that don't, don't understand the thing we're talking about can be set straight. Even believers out there, Christians that are out there that don't, don't understand how to operate in faith will criticize you and put you down because you're saying something like, I believe I received my healing when they can see with their natural eye that you're not well. And so we want to be very cautious as to how we choose our words. We need to make it very clear that what we are saying is this. I believe I receive my healing. I believe my healing is granted me based on Mark eleven twenty four. I asked my father for my healing and therefore I believe it's granted me. It's not based on how I feel. It's not based on what you see. It's not based on natural reports of men. It is based on Mark 11, 23 and 24. I believe I receive my healing. It's granted me. Thank God. That's what I believe. It could be a job. It could be something else. Whatever it is that you desire for your life, for yourself, believe you receive and you shall have according to Jesus. That's what he said. And can you put your finger there and just go back to Matthew 21 again? Put your finger there. I'm going right back to it. So just hold your place there in Mark 11. Matthew 21 and 22. 21, verse 22. And all things, everybody say all things. Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer. He's talking about prayer, isn't he? He's talking about what you shall ask in prayer. And all things 
Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, everybody say with me, believing. 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 See, believing. Had he left off believing, once again, we'd all have it made. But he didn't. He said, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, notice, you shall receive. Well, what Lord, what, what Lord am I to believe? What is it that I am to believe when I ask in prayer? Now go back to Mark eleven twenty four, Because in that verse, he tells you what to believe. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. And my believing that I receive them is based on the law of faith in verse 23 that says, I believe with my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. So I believe I receive whatever. I've used this on numerous occasions to personally receive from God certain things that I wanted in life or desired in life. For example, when it was time for our house to be sold in industry, we use this prayer of faith. I use the prayer of faith and said, I believe I receive the house sold. I believe I receive a buyer for the house. And beforehand, you know, you do things like you, you look over the scriptures, you build up your faith life and you des whatever it is that you desire, you present before God. And, you know, you just fill up your mind with the right words and the right thoughts. You say things like, it doesn't matter what people say about the economy. It doesn't matter what people say about whether or not houses are selling. Here's what I fill my mind with. Someone out there needs a house. I need to sell a house. Father, I'm asking you to put us together. If it's a job, someone needs a job. I need a job. Someone out there needs a worker. God knows all about the, you know, both, both ends. He knows both ends. Father, I'm asking you to put us together. And here's how I'm doing it. I believe I receive my job in Jesus' name. And as long as I keep saying that, God is at work. But what do you think happens when the person says, there's no jobs to be found in this county. There's no way I'm going to find a job around here. What happens? Your angels that were so gung-ho about getting out there working for you, they just stand back, fold their arms, wings, whatever they have, and they just shake their head. Shake their head. Why? Because they're not able to get out there and work for us. Because the words that we are speaking are contrary to the Word of God. And so they've got to just sit back and not get out there and bring the people in. And beloved, I've used this on every occasion. And when it comes to selling houses, I'll tell you what, I don't know, maybe I should go into real estate business or something like that. <laughs> I'm only teasing, you know that. But I mean, it's worked every time. I mean, in seemingly impossible situations, God has found a buyer. He has put us together. He has connected us. And that's what He said He would do. But the thing that kept it in motion was what? Words. Some out there says, not necessarily here, but a lot of people out there saying, I don't believe in that. You know, they're getting exactly what they're saying. I don't believe in that. That's what they're getting. Nothing. Now look at verse 25, because we can't stop at verse 24 and do the entire teaching on prayer here, any amount of justice. Because Jesus did continue on saying, And when ye stand praying, 
And when ye stand praying, someone says, do you have to stand to pray? I don't think that's what he meant. Forgive. Forgive. Why? We'll discuss that in a minute. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. An unforgiving spirit will short-circuit our prayer lives. An unforgiving spirit will tie the hands of God. An unforgiving spirit will paralyze our faith. To make it short and plain, an unforgiving spirit will prevent us from realizing whatever it is that we need from God. And so, if you're a person who has a hard time forgiving people, you will have a hard time with the subject of faith. I mean that. If you're a person that has a difficult time forgiving people, there's something on the inside of you that needs to be adjusted if you want to be more productive in your faith and prayer life. I'll show that to you in the Word of God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, if you would, please, in chapter 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Believing prayer gets the job done. Believing in your heart that what you say with your mouth gets the job done. If you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you will get the job done. If you believe there's no jobs to be found, there's no possible way. You know what, saints of God? If we in this church went with the flow or the tithe way back in 1983, 82 and 83, we never would have built this facility or refurbished this facility and had this property. You know why? Everybody that we talked to said, you can't get a new church now. You can't build a new church now. The economy is so bad. All the mills are going down. People are losing their jobs. And people that are in your church are employed by these steel mills that are going down, etc., 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 and all that. You know what we kept on saying? Our God supplies all of our needs. God finds new jobs. God puts people to work. We kept saying we're not basing what we're doing on this economy. We are basing it on our God who is more than enough to meet our every need. God will find jobs. God will create new jobs. Whatever it is, God has the work to be done and God will see to it that He supplies the resources that are needed to accomplish His will on the earth. And while everybody out there was negative and, and down, you know, playing everything that we were setting our hearts and hands to do, we just kept right on saying, thank God. And you think we weren't tempted to be afraid? We'd come up here and walk around this, you know, you go to the church in Midland, this was a big place. There's all kind of people up on ladders and they're working all around in this, this at one time, you know, was a, a service shop for automobiles. And we're walking around here praying as hard and as fast as we can with other tongues. And Father, we see this place built. And we see this place filled. We see, dear Father, your glory in this place. We see hearts being touched and lives being changed. And we just go on and just kept on saying what we saw in the Spirit, not what we saw with the natural eye. And you know what? It came to pass that we had what we said. God saw to it. Why? Because we continued speaking out the right thing, believing in our words, that those words that we spoke were powerful words, words of life. Don't speak curses over, uh, 
your affairs, beloved, because you know what? Your affairs will be under a curse. Speak blessings over the things that pertain to your life and they'll be under a blessing. Behold, the Lord's hand, verse 1 of uh, Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God doesn't get ear infections. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that, now listen, he will not hear. Have you ever talked to your wife when she says, I'm not listening? Or your husband when he says, I'm not listening. Your lips are moving. I'm not listening. Someone says, yeah, that's about most of our life. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. God is saying, I'm on here. Not that he can't hear. His arm is not shortened that he cannot save. His ears are not heavy that he cannot hear. He hears what people are saying, but he will not hear. He will not hear. If a person holds iniquity within his heart, if a person with, uh, holds unforgiveness or bitterness or anything in the heart against people, then you're going to short-circuit your prayer life and God's not going to be able to answer because in that environment, He chooses not to hear. How would you like that? Heavenly Father, I'm not listening. Heavenly Father, I won't hear. Save! My arm's not shortened. My ear's not heavy. I just refuse to hear. Iniquity within a heart paralyzes our abilities, our spiritual abilities, preventing us from experiencing reality with God. Look at another verse that affirms that. In the book of uh, Psalm 66 and verse 18. Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity within my heart, notice the heart. Notice Jesus said, believe in your heart. What you say with your mouth will come to pass. And when you stand praying or when you stand saying, using your faith, Speaking the word, don't have iniquity, unforgiveness, bitterness, or anything in your heart. Why? He will not hear. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear me. He said that, didn't he? So that will definitely paralyze our faith. It will definitely prevent God from responding to us because He chooses not to hear because of the iniquity, iniquity that is in our hearts. I want you to see something different on the opposite side of this spectrum. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 11. The reason why Jesus was so productive in His prayer life and so successful in His prayer life was because he knew that God, his Father, always heard him. And the reason why he knew and had confidence that God always heard him was because he always did those things that was pleasing in the Father's sight. You know, God is pleased with you when you forgive people. 
He is. He is pleased with you when you forgive other people. He is pleased with you when you don't hold iniquity within your heart. He is pleased when you choose to forgive someone who has wronged you, who has spoken evil of you, or who has persecuted you, or whatever they did to you. When you release them of that debt and you forgive them, God is pleased with that. Just as Jesus did these things before the Father. He lived a life of obedience, and when we're obedient to do God's will, He is pleased with us. And as a result of His being pleased with us and our knowing it, confidence is built up within our hearts. Look at John 11 and verse 41. Then they took away the stone, speaking of Lazarus' tomb, right before Jesus raised him from the dead. He took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Now listen. And I knew that thou hearest me sometimes. Always. I knew that thou hearest me always. Here is something that Jesus is revealing to us about prayer that is, that is so important. I knew that you hear me always. In other words, I know you hear me. How could he be so certain, so confident? Because he always pleased the Father. He was obedient. He held nothing in his heart against anyone. Even those that crucified him, he said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He saw life as it was. He saw broken humanity as it was. He saw evil in the heart of man as it was. And he knew that people were driven by a wrong spirit. As a result, he did not look to the individual. He looked beyond it to the source. He held nothing against anyone. He pleased the Father. He was confident in his prayer life and said, Father, I know you hear me always. And when you know God hears you, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, listen to what it says. Turn there with me. We'll read it together because it's essential. I know this is something that John said about prayer, but where do you think he got it from? Anybody know? Sure, John wrote that about uh, Jesus when he spoke there at the graveside of Lazarus. He said, Father, thou hearest me always, and I know that you hear me always. And beloved, to have a productive prayer life, we have to know that God hears us. We have to be confident that God hears us. And that involves faith and our ability to reach God. And that comes from a time of fellowship with Him, worshiping Him as God, serving Him as God, and obeying Him because He is our God, releasing anything out of our heart that could possibly interfere with our prayer life or our fellowship with Him. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. See, Jesus was confident in Him. He was confident that His Father heard Him every time He prayed. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything According to His will, He heareth us. His ear is not too heavy. As long as our hearts are right, His ear is not too heavy. As long as we don't hold iniquity within us, His ear is not too heavy and He hears us. If we ask according to His will and we ask without iniquity, the Bible says He 
hears us. And look at verse 15, if we know. You know, sometimes you need to ask yourself that question after you pray. Do I know that you heard me? Do I know that God heard me? Don't be afraid to ask yourself that question. Don't be afraid to challenge your own faith. You know, you're better off to know that He heard you than to go on pretending that He did or pretending that you think or that you know that He did. Did you get that? That's arriving right there. When you say, I know God heard me. I know God heard me. I'm confident that God heard me. Therefore, look at the next part. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, everybody say, we know. know. What do we know? We know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. We know that what we asked has been granted us. You see how these connect? You see why Jesus said in Mark 11, 25 and 26, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. For if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And then He has a closed ear. He chooses not to hear you. If you want to have a productive prayer life, if I want to have a productive prayer life, I can't afford the luxury of holding ought against any person. The sooner I learn to get that out of my being, the better off I'm going to be with God and the better off I'm going to be in prayer. And the more successful I'm going to be in developing my prayer life. See, all these things come in and enter into our hearts. Why? To choke out the things of God. We shouldn't be found having those things in our inward parts. They choke out the things of God. And so here we are taught, if we obey God, if we please Him with our lives, then we know that when we ask according to His will, He hears us. And if I know He hears me, then thank God I know I have been granted my petition. And you can walk around saying, thank God, I know I have been granted the button. I've been granted the button. I've been granted the button. I'm going to see some of you just going down the street going, I've been granted the button. Thank God I've got the button. Glory to God for the button. But it's not a button that you're looking for. It's something else. But you get the idea. You get the point. Thank God I receive it. I know my God heard me. I know I have it. I have obeyed the law of faith. I've applied the prayer of faith. And I know that God heard me. I know that I have it. And I'm going to continue saying, I thank God for the button. I believe I've been granted the button. Why are you going to continue saying that? Because you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass and you will have whatsoever you say it. I know I've got the job. I know I've got the job. I thank God I've got the job. How do you know you've got the job? How do you know it's been granted you? The job's been granted me. Thank God the, the job's been granted me. Why? Because I know God heard me and I know I've been granted the job. And that's for you. And you could add on to that whatever it is that God has offered you in His Word or secured for you in His Word and redemptive plan. And what will you receive? Whatever it is you ask God for. If you apply your faith and believe you receive it, you will have it. I don't know, that excites me. You know, God even said in John 16, 7, that when a man's ways please the Lord, He'll even cause His enemies to be at peace with Him. That's another reward to pleasing God with your life. Not only is your prayer life effective, He also causes your enemies to be at peace with you. 
That means there's nothing they're going to do against you. And you know what? That enemy could be Satan himself. Amen. Let's stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.